You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Hey, Brad Wren. What up, my friends? And the back is back, Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, hey, how's it going? Welcome. And David Hall. Yeah, and for a few minutes before I have to run off and play a show. On the show today, we'll give the latest news on the IndyCar gaming license and its possible impact on iRacing. We'll ask if you're ready to bet on iRacing, and would you be willing to bet your life in sim racing? And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. Before we dive into the topics, I wanted to do a follow-up last week since I didn't get to chime in on it. Uh, you talked about uh, some recommended changes for the for the protest system, and they were. I liked the idea of the possibility of wins and points being taken away, taken away, uh, especially because that's something everybody else could see. If, uh, which is one of the frustrating things about the current system is you never really know what somebody else gets. Um, the other thing that I, that I think that's frustrating with the system is as far as rough driving goes, and they've talked about it some some on a couple of the podcasts last week about policing their system. If the only thing you ever go after is the guy that retaliates, but don't do something about somebody who's constantly uh, Carson Hosevar and people, then you're still going to have the issues. And I, I don't think it's fair to only go after the guys who retaliate. Yeah, just the people who get protested and not like everybody else, huh? Well, they if if somebody just die bombs you and runs into you, they they will call it a racing incident. Yeah, so when you do those protests, you need the repeated incidents. Well, he took me out here, he took this guy out later, and yeah. So that was my two cents. I don't know if y'all had any comments on that before we move into the topics. Well, I guess, you know, the more I think about it, it's sticky, you know, and and, you know, what is exactly iRacing going to tweak to make this work? You know, I don't think we know. We just saw an overall concept. We had a few sentences. You know, how is that really going to translate in the details? I don't think we know. Well, the concern about the workload is legitimate, too, because because of how many protests they probably have to deal with. Well, let's kick off the topics, though. Um you can bet on just about anything today, and now that includes iRacing. iRacing signed a, a, I don't know if they signed a partnership, but you can now bet on iRacing rages in uh, DraftKings. Well, it actually looks like you can bet. Uh, we actually put our uh, task guy, John, on this and said, John, put up some money, get on DraftKings and bet on iRacing. Well, he signed up. And he reported back that uh, there's nothing to bet on yet. It looks like they're just setting up for something in the future. I think one of somebody on the team speculated maybe next season's Coke uh, series. Coke series, but they could also use the road to, co- to uh, the contender series as well, right? Yeah, yeah it's I mean, finished my, up. 
tight. Yeah, my thought could be that uh, really any of your special events could end up being an opportunity for this. Do you think they get like, I know Indy, or not Indy, um, Pody on a Daytona 500 and does all that kind of stuff. Do you think maybe that could be bet on as something in the future together too? Something that's hosted maybe? Uh, possibly. But, uh, anything that, that that seems official enough that they can they can hope that it's not being manipulated. What what would be funny? You could bet on all kinds of contingencies, like uh, how many incidents will be in a race. You know, obviously the caution count bet, especially at a Martinsville NIS race. So the confusion. Why well, had John look into this? Um, because you know, when you think DraftKings, you're thinking you know betting and on sports and that kind of thing, but they also do daily fantasy. And when the page that we found that includes the word iRacing on their website at DraftKings.com is I think under the fantasy tab. So um, is it possible that there's some kind of daily fantasy iRacing going on instead of betting? I'm guessing this is more of a fantasy because you have to like create a lineup of six drivers so it's not like you're just picking one guy and saying he's gonna win you pick six drivers and have to stay within the salary cap and then i think just whoever ends up getting the most points so it'll be like our fantasy we run on our nascar app there for all the races i'm guessing now doing this opens up iRacing to some problems with i would guess these guys that <clears throat> sorry if it's if it gets into the Coke series, they're going to have to sign probably agreements that they're not being, you know, what's, what's them to stop being someone betting on them and they know about being bet on and, and throwing a race or something like that to make money or something, depending on what these are at. There has to be a, there has to be some integrity to it somehow. And, and iRacing and DraftKings have, there has to be something that they got to be able to, to police it. Well, I think that's really the elephant in the room altogether when it comes to sports betting. Yeah, but if you think from sports betting, the NBA, the NHL, they have they have people that make a lot of money to watch this. Like, what what is there to, like, who's going to police it completely? Like, I see it just being select events. Um, yeah, because you can't control that i don't see it being like a saturday night nis race right it's definitely going to have to be something like series drivers in a league that have that probably already do sign agreements that go above and beyond the regular iRacers agreement that you know the end user license agreement that everybody else signs then kind of um it's actually, I believe it is a fantasy kind of deal where you pick a lineup because there's a difference between DraftKings Daily Fantasy and DraftKings Sportsbook. The Sportsbook's where you do the, you know, caution incidents, you know, top fives, you know, leader, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it could be like ours where you have to do so well after the whole season and the winner gets the grand prize or whatever. Yeah, McKenzie nailed it. It's I think it's fantasy for sure. Uh, we don't know what series. It does say six drivers. So I imagine like if it is a Coke series, you know, like before it starts, you pick, you lock in your six and and it goes. All right, Mike, tell us about five features that you didn't know about iRacing. Well, that's what Josh Garner put up on his video on YouTube. 
detailing five features that you might not know about. Um, the first one he talked about was practice groups. That's where you get into a practice and you can change kind of rooms and go into a room by yourself, so to speak. Custom radio frequencies. Now, a lot of people don't know about this one, but you can go in your black boxes to the radio tab and literally type in a name like Mike. And then if I'm working in a race with somebody and I want to partner up with them, I can, you know, uh, DM them and say, hey, make a channel called Mike. And then you can talk to them right in sim one-on-one. -on -one. Um, with the Discord and TeamSpeak and that kind of stuff, I think there's a lot less use for that. Um, but it's handy if you're trying to talk to somebody that's not on your team, I guess. The graphics uh, black box, you know, uh, he talked about that. Uh, moving up, you know, your height up and down and that kind of stuff. Active reset, you know, a lot of people aren't using that for practicing. You don't have to do an outlap every time you, you crash. You know, you can set up an active reset to save you a lot of time. Uh, he kind of showed that. And then finally, uh, sessions results info. When you go look at your results at the end after a race, there's a lot of neat little links in there. And if you click the, the highlighted ones, they show you a lot more information. One that I, I, he actually pointed out to me that I've never seen before is, uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it's called, but you click a link on that page and it brings up the incident report. Like you can see when people get black flagged or, uh, or anything like that, you know, it, it's kind of a list of what happened in the race. It's cool. The, uh, the practice groups was interesting. I've never seen that. So has anybody used that before? Because I was a little confused when he explained it. Yeah, quite a few of us use it all the time, especially when we're going to practice a qualifying run. Uh, if I've run a bunch of practice laps and feel good about the race set and want to just make sure that I'm not going to die on the on the uh, queue set because it's tuned wrong, I'll, I'll jump into an empty practice session so I can get a clean qualifying run. So you're still in the same server or you're going into a different server? I guess that's where my confusion yep. is. You're same still server. in the same server. You're just, you just, they just track the track is empty because it only lets about, uh, I think like 30 or so cars per practice group. And then at that point it starts throwing people into the second track essentially. So it's like parallel universes essentially. There's groups inside the, the server, right? Different groups. It's like a, a I, I'd call it almost like a, a pseudo server. So we have like the iRacing multiverse. Right. I like that title idea. I feel like uh, there needs to be a soundtrack for Marvel playing as he says that. I want to make reference to a recent Marvel show, but uh, yikes. Uh, it's probably too soon. Well, I guess we're going to take the next topic here for uh, Max's world record. Uh Grand Pooh Bear teamed up with uh, Jimmy Broadbent, Cameron Daz, and Cooper Webster of the Red Bull Sim Racing uh, to try and break Max's world record at, it was obviously Charlotte in, is that an F3 car that it was in? I was trying to figure out which car they were trying to beat it in. But, sure, um, car, but... They, they had 30 minutes to try and beat it, and uh, 
Um, I guess it was, it was, it was Cooper that was really, 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 really close to beating it and <laughs> lost it at the last second. But that world record's held up for, apparently, if you read the comments, for three years or something like that now. They got within uh, 0.7 seconds, I think, of his lap. I wonder if any of that has to do with patches and updates. They're talking about that, too, in the, in the comment sections. Like, maybe the, it's just not possible. But if they got pretty close, it, you know, there's, they're doing a hell of a job to get close to Max at that time. I, I think you forget who we're talking about here. You know, <laughs> he's like the alien of aliens, you know? Yeah. Well, and I guess while we're talking about Max, let's talk about Vegas real quick. I mean, what a spectacle last night with the driver introductions. I mean, have you ever seen in motorsports anything like it? It's crazy. The amount of money being spent is ridiculous. But when you look at the amount of money they're charging, now you understand why. But they're not, you know, how good is it going to be? I, I, I just think it's going to be really weird because, like, tonight we're going to go, I think it's like 10 or 11 o'clock my time, or there was there's a Vegas time that they're going to be practicing starting tonight. I think it's Vegas time they're practicing at, like, 10 or 11 tonight. And then into, like, 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, I got family over in Vegas um, last week. And they were telling and for a business trip and they were telling me that the locals are just so annoyed with this Vegas F1 race. And it's kind of taking the same pattern because when I went to the NASCAR race in Chicago, the locals there, they just they did not want it. So I'm kind of curious on the future of these uh, street races. Isn't that a so 2023 topic, though, or like this generation topic to complain about? something like this like i get that we, we complain about construction we complain about traffic we complain about all this stuff but you know when you're sitting there watching and entertained for the two hours does it really matter like i get that it sucks for vegas but vegas is vegas i guess i don't know what it's like to live in vegas i just know it's obviously one of the heck of a place to go um if you want to blow off some steam but I don't know. I just, I just think it's awesome that we have the ability to create racetracks wherever the hell we want in the world and say, let's go and do it. And F1 especially doing and being able to do it. Yep. Well, I, I be interesting. Think it's, yeah, well, it, it's anytime you bring a, a sporting event or some sort of large event into a town, there's going to be disruption. But if you start to look at the amount of, you know, income, and the benefits that you know will, that town will get. Um, you take Chicago. I can't remember what it was, but I mean the the influx of cash is huge. Um, it's not just racing. I mean, you think about concerts. You think of anything like that that you're bringing in a large group of people. You know, it's the surrounding all the businesses around that that pick up so much business. Well, if you look at it, it could be a lot worse. You're bringing in F1. You could actually be bringing in the Oakland Athletics. Oh wait, that is happening. Bob Dryling, a teammate, he went to Vegas last week and sent us a bunch of uh, behind-the-scenes pictures, which was pretty cool. Okay, McKenzie, how about 100 pit stops? Yeah, so uh, DJ Yuji uh, reviewed Jordan, a.k.a. bottom split. So he was running a NIS race at Martinsville, and um, he did 100 pit stops and uh, managed to pull out a P5. So um, first of all, 
there's probably almost 100 cautions in this race anyway so realistically you do a pit stop every caution but um yeah he ended up with no incident points somehow dodged every wreck um he actually finished like eighth but then three people ahead of him got dq'd for the incident limit so he ended up being p5 but 100 pit stops in a race is pretty crazy so he was having to do three pit stops per caution because there's only 30 yeah. cautions like right. it's 150 every time by like that just <laughs> Good thing we don't have that glitch that uh, was happening years ago on pit road where you get <laughs> something would happen and you'd end up stuck or you'd have a black flag. You're trying to risk your chance Look, there. It's uh, impressive because if you have to pit every time by on a yellow and they don't catch up just, you know, every single time you're going to get lapped, you know, because you're at the back, right? Uh, I would be concerned about that, but it's amazing that he's able to pit like literally every lap, uh, under yellow that he could. Um, I presume even coming to the one to go, maybe, uh, he pits, I don't know, but, uh, and then to pull out a top five on top of everything and zero incident. Well, it's really hard when you're sitting on pit road to get incidents every time. And if you're starting at the back, you just don't, if you got 30 cautions at 150 of what it's, was that 200? It was 250 was that race, right? So you really only had a hundred green flag laps. So it's just a drag race to turn one caution and then roll around for every three or four laps. Right. So that's, he didn't, if he was starting at the back all the time, it wasn't going to be a problem. So next Martinsville, I'm going to challenge somebody on the team to do this strategy. Like one race, just you got to pit every time and see how it shakes out. Tony Rochette's going to be in his truck tomorrow saying challenge accepted. <laughs> okay. So next... Gordon. Uh, Pearson, how about uh, D box motion zone? Yeah, Mike, the D-Box Motion Zone at Phoenix Raceway lets viewers experience everything the driver was feeling using the D-Box Motion Systems. And is this, uh, is this Anthony Alfredo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And yeah, he's got this um, D-Box rig in front of this big old big screen motion pr projector. And yeah, he's showing this off in front of a crowd. Yeah, you so gotta watch, look carefully. Watch the, yeah, if you watch the video, so he's in a motion rig, and then all of the seats that of everybody behind him is in are in motion seats as well. So everything that he's was happening to him was happening to them too. It's pretty neat. Like the whole audience seats are all on in motion chairs, and so you're right. Like he goes over the bump, everybody goes over the bump in the audience, and so it looks like it seats maybe twenty people or something at a time and uh wow what a neat thing for like at the racetrack you know uh pretty cool yeah it's pretty neat so i think he talked about you know cutting the dog leg and having the car slam down and everybody was feeling that as well what a way to get people in interested in sim racing you know they've never seen sim racing they're at the racetrack they're walking around you know behind the grandstands they see this Oh, well, this isn't like you have to crawl into it and drive it. You just sit in a chair. Okay, I'll sit in a chair and watch it. And then you feel the thing shake and you're like, whoa, this is cool. I think that's a little money maker. $20, bang, bang, bang. Why didn't they do the cup thing? They should have done the uh, rally. That would have really got people going. Okay, Brad, how about iRacing in drag? 
Yeah, so uh, Brian Miller asked in the forum poll if it's time for drag racing in high racing. You know, he says, I really would like to see some kind of drag racing discipline added to the service. Uh, a few tracks that have already been scanned uh, have drag strips. So, um, you know, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure this has been a wanted you know, discipline for years. I can remember years ago, there was a lot of discussion about being able to to, to do drag racing, especially, um, you know, when they were able to, up, like was alluded in one of the previous videos about being able to set up sectors. So, um, I don't know. Is it time for drag racing and high racing? There's three votes. There are three things to vote on. Yes, no, and I don't have a desire to play drag racing. 40% wins that one. I don't have the desire. 37% no, and 21% yes. Well, I mean, if you think, uh, I guess, what, Sonoma? There's the, the track. That, that's there. Um, the drag strips, that's Sonoma. I'm sure there's some other ones as well. Can't wait for them to add another discipline that doesn't have the right track prep. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine the, mod, the tire uh, model to really... You know, okay, you have to model the the top fuel dragsters back wheels putting down rubber, you know, during those burnouts and they have to model that just perfectly, the heat, the amount of rubber, you know, all that. What about uh, latency and reaction time? That's gonna be the hardest thing. You'll you'll never You'll never get it work. there's a reason that you don't see lots of multiplayer drag dragster games. It's you know, online would be really hard because Anyone that's blinking or something can't get the right reaction time, you know, it ain't going to help you. But at the end of the day, is there really a desire for a drag racing game? And there's a lot of manufacturers in drag racing and different types. That'd be a lot of scanning that they'd have to catch up on. What do you do? Get one dragster and then have the next two or three years people complaining they don't have enough freaking dragsters to pick from too, like another addition? I don't know. Could it? End, could the drags end up being like the rally or the rally series, where they just isn't as popular as they think it was going to be? There's only so many things to race in a day. It's like I think that's why most people pick the one. I don't have a desire. I mean, I was thinking just the other day. Like, there's so many things in i racing I have yet to even try. Like that new super formula, you know, open wheel car that looks so cool. I haven't even tried it, you know, and, and it's like, man, I, I mean, there's, there's so much potential. To do it, but. Okay, Greg, you got the dying for iRacing. Uh, so James Barry put a post up. Uh, would you risk your life for iRacing? <laughs> I'm not. I, I haven't got a chance to look through this, but again, maybe you can give more context to it because I'm just looking at the answers here. I missed this one on it, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't die for eye racing. It's a story of statistics, and um, oh, okay. he basically did some research, and he he says, "Look, uh, your chance of death in a skydive one in a hundred thousand. Your chance of death in any single." car journey one in five million um so essentially if the average chance of death in any given race on i racing was say one in a million would you still race what would your threshold be or would you quit completely and just focus on more important races so he's basically saying 
look, you can be an iRacer and iRace, but there's a chance uh, that you're going to get killed uh, one in a million chance. Would you continue to race? This, uh, <laughs> this, brings up, this brings up, uh, I was in a race years ago with uh, somebody that was uh, racing in a tornado watch and uh, he, he could, you could hear the background, you could hear wherever state he was from, he had the, the actual warning, the sound going off and I'm like, are you going to go? He's like, well, if it all of a sudden just cuts and I, I get disconnected, you know, it was too late at leaving. And I was like, so maybe that is the, the one in one million. Just thinking like, how do you implement this? Like, okay, so, so your car, you, you, you strap on your gloves and your, your, your headset and you have to put a, a, a metal collar around your neck that's attacked, you know, attacked to the uh, electricity or something. What is this, saw? Yeah. So Dave it's a Kamer's, pole. Dave, Dave, Dave Kamer's on a bike with uh, with a mask and uh, telling you the rules of the game. I did watch that movie the other day. We went to the theater. So 51% said no, no matter how small, I will not risk anything for a video game. 51% voted that way. I think some people probably just need to race, race more and think less. I think the uh, the appropriate question is not your life. I mean, we play with our lives all the time with our wives if you're married. So maybe this should be, what are the chances of divorce from my racing? There you go. Yeah, and 15% said one in 10,000, I'm suicidal. But, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand it when they initially vote exactly what's electing that you really think about it. I wonder what my statistic for uh, for dying is being a truck driver, being on the road every day. If the commute to work is so uh, so big, it's got to be your odds got to be worse than that commute to work. All right, I got World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. Exegron is back and ca capitalizes. He wins the iRacing World of Outlaw Thrustmaster Sprint Car Series season opener at Volusia. I did see the race. Cool to see a familiar name uh, wit and uh, start off the championship right. Okay, uh, Justin, how about the iRacing uh, 9.0.0 release notes? Usually we don't talk about these, but this one's special. Yeah, I'm, this is the first time me seeing the article, but um, yeah, it looks like... Sorry, I'm trying to read get this article up. Um, maybe one of you guys can take over. This is from what you were talking about the other night, Mike, with the iRacing browser. Yeah, so we got a browser. browser. Right, we have a browser version, I guess, of the beta UI is a way to call it. So you open it up in Google Chrome, and it looks like the beta UI. It's like a carbon copy, but it's in a browser. And it's a new website that heard of before the the, the old is mid.iracing.com the new one is members dash in g like next gen iracing.com so members dash in g.iracing.com go there sign in and you can do almost everything you can in the beta ui except for launch races like you can look at stats you can set up league you know you can do this and that, you know, whatever you normally do in there, you can do now in a browser. 
so when the discussion was about getting away from the beta UI, I really did not expect to launch a web page and have it look just like the beta UI. I think this is different. I still think the beta UI is getting replaced with a different beta UI. I think this is a way of further setting the old website. There, you know, that all that functionality is now in this new website, or most of it. It is confusing. Now, I'm, I'm going to read what, what they wrote, you know, because, you know, says, without the need to have an iRacing installation on the machine. We are referring to this as iRacing Web. This is merely an additional way to access what is currently known as the UI. I call it some mixture functionality, which does not require a connection to the iRacing installation, is still available when classic member site is sunset in the future. This should be particularly home and league admins, but will obviously be nice for everyone who wishes to interact with the service on PCs without an iRacing installation. Results and stats are available in the iRacing web. So this is kind of uh, on topic for me right now because my sim rig is tore, tore apart. My, my racing computer's here on the floor and I'm on a laptop. And so it was kind of neat to jump on this website um, and go on the laptop and kind of poke around and see what's up. I guess I'll ask you guys, how do you think you'll use it if you will use it? That's I, mean, I, guess once it gets, I guess once it gets full functionality, I you know, it's fine. Um, I mean, there's still things that I go back to the classic site because it's easier to find some stuff. I, I, still, I still launch races from the, the classic site and then just go to the UI to start it. I've used nothing but the UI, and I, I don't see anything really wrong with it because I remember when I first started listening to you guys a couple years ago in 2020, I remember Mike complaining about it all the time. Has he stopped? Yeah, I'm the same as Justin. I've used the UI the whole time. So, I mean, I don't really know what I'm missing out on not using that classic website. So I've had no problems with the UI. Well, I guess like for me coming back seven years later, there was no UI when I left. So the familiarity was there with the classic. I mean, I use the UI, but um, I mean, sometimes I still struggle trying to find information out from like results um, out of the UI. I, so I don't think you can get as detailed laps and all that stuff out of the UI unless I'm just missing something on the results. For stuff like that, I always just use the app on my phone. I find it so much easier to find like the details for results and stuff. Yeah, the, the iRacing Companion is, is a, it, that's actually easier to, to navigate than the, the website. It's interesting for sure. Uh, so yeah, check it out. I'm going to do the big story. Wow, we didn't expect to be talking about this so soon. I think we last last week we talked about maybe it'll February. be late March when yeah, or something like that. But uh, here it is a week later, Mike Straw reporting on his Twitter account that IndyCar has officially terminated its license agreement with Motorsports Games. Don't think anybody's surprised. Yeah, it it came uh, kind of out of the blue. But yeah, it looks like IndyCar pulled the plug on it. Um, 
it was uh, made public in an SEC filing on November 8th. Uh, that went public on November 14th, a couple of days ago. So they already had it filed before we even made the comments and, last week. Yeah, so I think it's, so, so you know what that means. As soon as the British touring uh, company uh, said, hey, we're out, that means IndyCar pulled the plug at the same time. You know, the, the, this, we didn't know it. Well, they probably saw the same thing where they were they laid off. Because I think it was that was it that episode last week that we were talking about the layoffs of the the, the workers for it for the, or the video the people that were working on the game were laid off. So that would even be before they filed it that or they were already filed it before they got laid off. Right. There was a group in Australia that was working on it. Then we have a video here uh, from Redmond. He he basically went on to say. What a shame because that game was close. It was like 90% done. Like you could play it. Like it just needed polish because we've seen videos. We've seen like some teasers and stuff. And, uh, you know, what's going to happen with that code? Is it just going to be shelved forever? Is uh, Motorsports going to sell it to another group or something and let them finish it? Uh, is Indy IndyCar starting over from scratch? Are they going to run back to iRacing with their tail between their legs and ask for forgiveness or what? Well, my question is, if they've terminated their agreement, then there is no, is there anything now stopping iRacing from using their properties? Because they didn't terminate anything with iRacing. They just signing their agreement with the motorsports prevented them from using the IndyCar license here. Now the IndyCar license is up in the air. Can they, can you run any? I guess you still couldn't run anything without IndyCar's permission. Yeah, I think there's, there's a possibility of two deals. There's probably a deal just to get it back to the way it was where we can just run the IndyCar and run the Indy 500. That's probably one deal. And I'm sure that's probably in the works, if not already done. But then the other deal is what's going to happen with the console game, you know? It, it sure makes sense that, you know, iRacing would pick this up. I mean, if you were IndyCar and you saw that, well, you know, iRacing got the NASCAR license, they got all these good people working for them, man, they're going to do awesome. We want them to do our game too. You know, that's what I would be thinking. So does that leave the only thing license that they have is what R Factor and that WEC, oh. right? And they have a Lamont game coming out, don't they? That's the next shoe to drop, yeah. Man, could you imagine if every one of those licenses that they tried to monopolize just deteriorates and, they, and no games come from it? I think that's how it's going to end up. I mean, it sure looks like it. But, and think about their debacle last year where Max Verstappen was like talking so bad about their game, right? Well, it's the story that it keeps on giving. We'll see what happens next week, huh? Okay. Uh, Mackenzie, how about Contender Series champion? Yeah, so uh, Vicente Salas, he's uh, he's the E NASCAR Contender Series champion. Um, so that'll have him heading back to the Coke Series with a, a lot of momentum behind him. Heck yeah! I mean, he had a second uh, and four wins or something. Yeah, something crazy. Like he was just knocking them off. So yeah, I think it was six was it six races and then he got a second and four wins at, so he out of the 
the six races, five of them, he had a first or a second. Yeah, he's been pretty dominant. I've tried to watch some of those races when they've been on. And, um, I mean, it's, again, just up front continually. Um, so, you know, so there's been some talk. I guess it's going to be at least 21 guys coming out of that going back. With, uh, was it Conte retiring? There was two guys that are coming out. I think there was 22 that they had to get. Um, I mean, Vicente has always been strong on cars that are harder to drive. I feel like he thrived in this car. This is tw- twice now he's thrived in this car. I don't think he won it, but to get into the Cup Series, driving through this series before, um, he just is. He's, he's, he seems like he enjoys driving a car that's harder to drive, maybe in and more of a, a handling car than an aerodynamic car. Yeah, that's a good point. Momentum doesn't mean much if it's a different car, right? <laughs> okay, Justin, well, how about... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, he also goes on to say he's the, the number one free agent for the 2024 season. So does that mean he still needs a sponsor for the Coke series? Well, he'll be drafted to one of those teams that lost the driver into this series. Yeah, that's always fun when you figure out which drivers go to which teams. I think that's what he's referring to. He's going to be the guy to pick, so to speak. Because technically, who did he, was he driving for Elliott last year? Because he, he might be saying that now because he's not driving for Elliott anymore because they're not in that series. Yeah, I don't remember exactly which one he was with. but I thought it was Elliott. He, he came up with Elliott. I don't know if he was actually in that series with Elliott, though. I can't remember. All right. Let's jump on to uh justin phantom cars yeah mike uh robin trustwell complied a list of phantom cars without a series but not designated as legacies i guess i'm kind of confused on this article i guess i don't know what's going on with these phantom cars it's got a list of them they just don't have a series because they've been put into legacy once they were replaced they're just cars that are on the sim to test or drive, but you can't, there's nothing official year round that you can race with them. Gotcha. And they don't have the word legacy. That's the other key. So there are games that don't have the word legacy in them that are currently next. So I mean, why? some of those should have been put as like, why wasn't the Williams card put as a legacy? It's been around for so long. Yeah, right. Is this an oversight, or is it just us taking legacy too literally and needing it to be visually showing us? It's just something we're complaining about because it just doesn't say it. Or is it because of someone made? Someone did say in the comments there that some of the cars are still like full price if you if you went and bought them now too, which kind of. If you if you don't have the I think the the biggest thing is if they don't have the legacy title, someone could just purchase it that doesn't have a lot of experience in iRacing and and not realize, oh crap, there's no series tied to it or something like that. I know all of us, if you see legacy, there's probably least things that it's not gonna be racing in. But I think it just shouldn't be um, there should be maybe there should be a warning that you know there's no series on some of these cards. This doesn't race in an official series. Well, when you're, if I'm not mistaken, when you're in the, the store, you know, when you're looking at a car, I think that isn't there an option to see what what series it's active in? I think there is. Maybe. So, 
so I'll read off some of these cars. Uh, we have the Audi uh, R18 LMP1, the Porsche 919 LMP1, the uh, HPD, um, the Chevrolet Daytona type, the old one. On the open wheel, we have the Formula Renault 2.0, Mercedes W12, Mercedes FW31, like Greg was talking about, the old Williams. And it goes on, but that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I just think uh, maybe they need to clean up the labels. Yeah, I would think there would be a need to be legacy after these. Um, but, you know, what is iRacing, you know, what does it mean to them when they market legacy? Is it a different price, perhaps? Or Well, I think that if you some of the ones that are legacy i think are like what three bucks or something it's a it's a five dollars it's a reduced price right so maybe for iRacing it just that's all it means when they put legacy on it's a reduced price while this guy is like well it should say legacy because it's not being raced it's not there's no series to race it there seems to be a lot of complaints in the com this thing about the NASCAR Gen 6 cars still being full price. It seems to be really hanging up in the comments on people here. Yeah, I saw that, like almost like, you know, trying to trick people into buying it. Some of the theories of why it's still that is kind of outrageous. I, I can't, I don't understand why people think that they'll ever go back to that car. Yeah. The racing's been pretty good this year, so I don't think that's happening. I was glad but, to see that uh, here that, speaking of that, I was glad to hear that uh, horsepower is not taken off the table as an, a, something to fix that car, though, possibly. Yeah, and to hear Harvick and preach it. You know, Harvick was like, man, we need more power in these cars. And, and so hopefully NASCAR is listening. All right, Brad, you got Drive Smart to Daytona. Yeah, so uh, DJ EJ has put up a video, if you guys remember, um, I think it was back at the Texas race where he'd done a promotion um, with the 90, I think it's a 92 car, um, to design a paint scheme. So DriveSmart to Daytona, the sponsor, uh, or DriveSmart, has put together a, uh, a contest to where uh, two people can, or a person can win a trip to uh, the Xfinity race in Daytona. So it's a series of uh, qualifiers, or they're doing time attacks, um, from the 15th of November till December 2nd, um, using the uh, pickup, pickup cup truck, Legacy Charlotte. So the way it works is you go into the time attacks and then they'll uh, whittle that down, I think to 200 people and then actually do some racing in order to determine um, the winner. So a pretty neat uh, program. And again, neat to see a sponsor um, really kind of Taking what was done a few months ago is our first, I guess, kind of uh, foray into into our racing to to really you know try to embrace it and uh, give people the opportunity to to do something pretty neat. It is a neat idea, and he's got this this concept of team where there'll be team captains. They're celebrity team captains. Uh, of course, DJ EJ is one of them. Also, Raw Gator, uh, IDK player, and Landon Huffman. Uh, from late models, Casey Kerwin and Ryan Vargas from Xfinity. Uh, so those will be your team captains, and they're going to uh, have some kind of scenario where uh, there's a team involved. Yeah. So you guys put this in our chat. I think it was yesterday you guys were talking about it, so I got interested. I got home from work early, and I started messing around. And I'm in the top 200. Uh, I'm a 111. So, 
All right. So, Justin, you're the guinea pig. So, um, I started out at 104 in the last three hours. I went down to 111. So, I don't know if I'll hold, but I I know what I need to do. I just got to execute it. It's it's a fast little racetrack and truck. Well, do you have anything left? Can you can you get another tenth? I I think so. I mean, it's you just can't be scared. Uh, you got to trust the truck in the turn. Is it? Oh, it's just a single lap attack, eh? Yeah, you about your fastest lap. I think is going to be on your first lap. So if you don't do it, you might as well just start over. I wonder if I should try that with my qualifying, uh, how good I am at qualifying. So there's an elaborate, you know, he described in a video, but I didn't quite catch it, where he was saying that it, it you're, you you don't have to have a good I rating to participate in this. He, he has some kind of concept where he's taking people from various levels of I racing uh, in some fair manner. I didn't really catch exactly how he's pulling that off, but it, don't be uh, dissuaded if you're not a high I rating to participate in this. Is it the, the um, messages? Do it. All right, I got I racing top ten highlights. This video came out earlier today, and uh, I watched it. It was good. It, it was a lot of videos we've seen over the last month, though, that were released on an individual basis uh, on social media channels. But it was cool to see some of these uh, replays like the guy in the truck race at Talladega win it, you know, as he drove under a car flipping over his t- over top of him and uh, lots of side-by-side finishes or three wide at the line and that kind of thing. The other thing this reminds me of is that soup, that uh, new open wheel car I mentioned uh, from Japan. What's it called? The super something? Super formula. Super Formula, right. Yeah, I mean, there's a great battle in those cars on here. There's a couple of them, actually. And uh, they can't get away from each other. I don't know. It's, it's, you know, has it got like the big Hanford device on the on the back tail where, you know, it makes this huge draft for the car behind so you, the, the lead car can just can't get away. That, I mean, it looks like really fun racing. Do those cars have DRS or no? I don't think so. The other one that looks super fun that I haven't really done is the Toyota uh, 86 cars, like pack racing on a road course. Like they're two and three wide, like corner after corner after corner. And and it just looks like so much fun. It's just like the MX-5 series in real life. You know, you don't have to have a super fast car to have great racing. Yeah, it just looks like fun to participate in too, you know, so... Yeah, I love these videos to remind me of all the things I'm not doing in iRacing. I need to try. Well, if you notice the Black Friday sales coming up, so it's a great time to extend your membership. Your current member, I think, is 25% off. And then I think for new members, they're doing uh, 50% off. So, Mike, you can extend that another year and try even more stuff. Yep, that's next on the list, Black Friday. Just a reminder, now's the time. You're not going to find a better deal to renew. You don't have to wait to renew either. This just tax on the year or two on top of wherever your your normal ex- expiration date is. I know. I, I just took advantage of it. And then um, 
then those verse amounts, SimLab verse amounts are on their way too. I just got the shipment uh, statement text message. Yeah, I'm going to ex- extend mine as well. You know, and I've started looking, you know, I left the service when I moved in 16, and I think my membership was good till 18. All right, Greg, how about next level racing king of the track? So they put up a tweet. Uh, I guess uh, they're going to have, in case you missed it, we are hosting the big sim racing event this of the year. Want to win $1,000? Reveal our brand new product, uh, crown the king of the track so i guess if you go register at next what is it next level racing.com king of king of the track um they're going to be running the radical sr8 at lime rock two laps uh, i guess is the the ch- testing or to uh, um hot lap it oh it's the date so yeah so then there's uh, the dates. Australia server, I guess, will be 8 a.m. Uh, on the 16th of November, which would have been already passed, right? No, it's today. Yeah, Third these time. are today. Europe we just missed be, it. Yeah, U.S. Just, just did it yesterday. So the European one, I guess they're all just, it was. it's like, right, it's already done. So if you didn't do it already by the time this is coming out, sorry, guys. Well, the next level racing dropped the ball. I mean, I didn't see, you know, to, to put this out within seven days of their event, uh, they're not going to get a lot of people to know about it. Uh, they should have put it out a little sooner. But yeah, I mean, this came out, you know, publicly within the last seven days. So I'm, I'm a little surprised. But yeah, it looks like it was only two laps. You had to put in two laps and try to win a prize. I think what it is, is you just, you just entered uh, on their website, just registered there, and then they just randomly pick someone to actually do it. So I think there was only actually one duel, and you just had to beat whoever was the reigning champ. And I think they're just going to continuously keep doing this. The prize to you. Oh, I see. A streak of five will win you a Next Level Racing merch pack. A streak of 10 will gl- globally launch a new Next Level Racing product, and a streak of 15 will... Uh, will mean you win a thousand dollars AUD cash prize. All right, I got this one. The weekend I racing. This is just a, a been a nice reminder that they put together, and you know you can see it in the app and whatnot. But hey, you know, like a calendar, what's going on? And so some of the items are you got the British Racing uh, FF sixteen hundred festival happening. Uh, this weekend, of course, winter NIS continues. Um, unfortunately, I'm missing out on that. They talk about the FIA regional F4 races that I kind of started but never finished. <laughs> uh, Ringmeister, Draftmeister, uh, Draftmaster, don't forget about those. And then uh, BMW M Sim Cup uh, wraps up next weekend. And Brad, we have some new ones. The iRacing Winter Derby open and fixed. Yeah, so uh, starting next week, um, uh, Five Flags Speedway is going to be the, the Winter Derby. Um, 300 laps, either open or fixed. Uh, open race starts, I think, next Wednesday. Um, and then the, the fixed, the dates on the fixed. Um, 
probably the next day. The alternate. Yeah. So uh, pretty exciting. I'm planning to at least try to run the, the open one. Um, like next Wednesday night, we don't have a league race that night. So I uh, like five flags. Uh, haven't run much with a late model, but uh, just seems like it's going to be a, a fun time. Uh, so we're going to drag out the uh, – the iRacers Lounge podcast late model and uh, see what we can uh, see what we can do. All right, Brad, um, I'm impressed that you're getting involved. I think you're the only one on the team who said he was, but um, that you you said open. You're not going to try fixed. We'll see how the open goes first. <laughs> Three hundred laps at five flags is a lot, so um, you know if it goes well, then then we'll do fixed as well. So we'll start with the open. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get involved in the lots of stuff happening over there. And iracerslounge.com. And our merch is iracerslounge.shop. I'm wearing one of the polos and hats right now. Love it. And we are in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware, software, Justin, Sim Racing for You, button box review. Yeah, the SimPit reviews the Sim Racing for You button box. And this is a interesting looking one. Um, it's a, just a big rectangle um, sitting upright, and it's just got a series of, uh, it's got 29 functions, backlit blue for Sim Racing. It's got that, uh, these gray uh, lined squares on each box that are like, uh, really show up when there's a black light in the room. And so some of these shots, I think there's a black light. And so it really pops when you have those uh, under the black light. It's a pretty neat looking button box. Um, we'd like to see maybe a few more rotary uh, options as opposed to just nothing but buttons. I've only got one toggle, too. I like toggle switches. Yeah, I mean, I'm still in the, the market for a button box. Uh, every now and then, I go, to, go down the rabbit hole of button boxes as I start to, to look for stuff. And I've got a lot of pages bookmarked right now. I built one for like 20 bucks off of Amazon stuff. Oh, maybe we need to talk. Uh, I'll send you a link. I'll just yeah, get the stuff is... shipped to your house. This is deep. I don't like how button boxes are really deep. Uh, I don't know why, but that was a huge thing when I picked my button box. I have one of the thinnest button boxes out there. It's like one inch. 179 euros for that. Um, it is 3D printed, but it's got that carbon style look to it. Uh, pretty cool. Okay, um, Mackenzie, how about iRacing on the cheap? Yeah, so uh, DJ EJ, he, uh, I honestly don't even know what brand this wheel is, but he just went, got the cheapest wheel and pedals he could. Um, I did watch this video. I forget what cars he was running in at what track, but uh, 
He said he honestly said the wheel wasn't bad, but the pedals were awful. He couldn't even brake with them, so he ended up switching them to his V3s, and he said it was much better. Yeah, I watched this as well. Um, you know, anybody that's been around this sim racing for a long time, you know, the first wheel I had the long in 1996, you know, was rubber bands, um, and, and that's what it was. So uh, I think it was suction cupped. So we set up the hook to the, the desk. It has suction cups on the bottom. Um, but he said, got, yeah, I mean, I think it was at the, in the Arca car at Phoenix. So, uh, yeah, pedals were a mess, but the steering wheel wasn't that bad. I think he was really within about, I think when I looked at maybe a tenth, two or three tenths from, from what he is in, in normal. So I guess you could do it cheap if you really wanted to. I think that's how people should start, is buy the cheapest stuff possible run it for a little bit see if you actually like the concept of it then upgrade to the big stuff i think that's the most affordable way too yeah i mean it's like we talked like you know when i got back into this i knew what i wanted so it was a lot of money all out at once um but after years ahead you know back in in the day you know i think when i got done i was probably on my fifth wheel by then so you either spend the money over the course of time, you spend it all at once. Yeah, this is bought from Temu, T E M U. He said, uh, one of those kind of cheap knockoff uh, Chinese websites where you can buy cheap product, and that's where he got it. But yeah, I mean, he's right. You can you can get into sim racing on the cheap, you know, if you really try. He did say it had more buttons on this than it had on his Logitech. All right. How about the uh, Brad Next Level Racing GT Lite Pro? Yeah. So Dan uh, Suzuki reviewed the Next Level Racing GT Lite Pro foldable racing sim rig. Um, watch the video. It's it's interesting. I mean, I guess if you've got a, a spot where you don't have a whole lot of room, um, you know, it gives you the option to to fold it up. You know, I, I don't know. Um, it's just, you know, he's got a, a Sim Magic Alpha, I think, mounted onto this thing. And I just don't know how well it's going to, something like this is going to hold up if you've got a direct drive wheel. Um, again, interesting concept. And he said he made some comments, you know, you, you'd have to make some adjustments to the pedals and trying to find, um, you know, a way that it, it's a little more comfortable. You have to have pedals with a base plate of some sort because otherwise, you know, you, you can't get them on the ground. Um, you know, again, if, you, if space is an issue, um, you know, yeah, I guess it's a good option. Yeah, it's just a step up from, you know, racing at a desk with an office chair. He said, if that's your setup, then this is a step up from that. You can fold it up and, you know, it and put it in a corner, stick it in a closet. You know, if you're in a small apartment, you know, uh, it, if it makes sense for you, do it, you know. But obviously there's flex. Um, you, you can see it, you know, in, in the video the wheel flex and the, the seat moving and stuff. So it's not ideal, but better than nothing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, probably a lot of us, I mean, I started out at a desk. I mean, that's just the way it was. That's what you did. You clamped it onto the desk and that's where we started racing. Yeah. I actually have the, the GT light. So the only difference between it and the pro is the pro just has a more padded seat, but I got it because it does fold up. Like I just lift the pedals up and I can push it up against the wall and I have a bit more room. Um, I have the, I don't have a direct drive wheel, so I can definitely see how there would be flex when you uh, do have one. But honestly, it's still pretty comfortable and I do need to get a heel plate for my pedals though, because 
I have them and my feet are on the floor and it is it is too far away. But other than that, I have no complaints with it. I would like to obviously upgrade eventually, but yeah, but you had a budget, right? When you had to buy this and you had to you wanted to get something, but you didn't you couldn't afford it. But this was for the price though, it it hit all the check marks, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're selling this pro for 299 US. So Mackenzie, let me ask you a question. What do you do as far as for for a monitor or TV? What do you what do you do? Something sitting up on the desk or mounted on the wall? Uh, I use VR. That makes sense then. Okay, I got this one. We got a another video about the Fanatec QR2, a quick release. Uh, trauma team racing this time. Uh, he goes over it. Is it worth it or not? He talks about everything you need to know, how to set it up, uh, how to, you got to set it up on the wheel side, the base side, which uh, one do you get the, the cheaper one or the better one? Uh, we, we had a very similar video a week ago from somebody else. And so, yeah, it's making the rounds and everybody's trying it. But uh, yeah, I think this is going to maybe save Fanatec. They needed the bad um, because their old QR is something else. Um, but yeah, if you're in a, if you're in the Fanatec system, you definitely need to research these things before you buy them. Yeah, I watch this and watching what you have to go through in order to swap this out is rather labor intensive. Right. You know, I'm not real handy like that to start taking apart wires and internal mechanisms and stuff. I'm not real comfortable with that. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I still just don't understand why they couldn't go with a, just you know, a, somewhat of a standard NRG quick release. I, I just don't understand. It just seems it's a lot more complicated than than what it needs to be. It is, and it took them so long to come up with it. That was the biggest problem. Like, you know, three and a half, four years, or whatever it was that they've been working on this. Yeah, and he and he talked in there, I guess, because you've got the gold, which is the top of the line, which is like twice as expensive as the other one, but depending on how, you know, what strength your wheel is, you got to get a certain one. Um, I don't know. I, I just, yes, I guess it may save Fanatec. It just seems like maybe too much, too little, too late. I don't know. I'll never go back to their ecosystem. I just, it's just no way. Well, I think the real thing is they'll never regain their market share that they had. They had huge market share say three and a half, four years ago, like they were at the, they had every, they had the most people in there, you know, than any other company. And and now it's quite the opposite of that. They're, they're definitely never going to get that back. I don't think. Now, I think you look at like what Moses doing. Um, I think that's probably the, the easiest comparison. Um, just so much better options. All right, Justin disappearing 4090s. Yeah, uh, Jay's two cents looks into the sudden lack of 4090s. Um, he has like, he does a video about kind of like a conspiracy theory kind of deal with NVIDIA. And I think I remember watching a little bit of it and he kind of says that NVIDIA is kind of doing price manipulation by releasing inventory uh, strategically. I believe I'm right on that. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're talking about um, a new card that's going to be coming out. That's like, uh, what did 4070 Ti or 4070 Super? 
or maybe it was a 4080 super or something like that. And, and there's just no, there's no, where does it fit into the pricing structure? So, so you got the 4090 at, you know, 1500, you got the 4080, you know, at 1200, you know, and so forth. And so they're going to put out this new card and, and, and so what he's saying is they just basically suck dry all the, the inventory of the 4090s out there, which artificially inflate that price with the resellers. Instead of fifty, you can't get one for fifteen hundred. They're eighteen hundred, two thousand on new egg. Okay, and so that opens up the door for them to okay. Well, let's put out our forty seventy super now at fourteen, you know, hundred or whatever, and uh, see if we can sell those. And so yeah, he he puts on the tin foil hat and everything. I think there's probably a little bit of truth in all of it. Well, when they're in competition with themselves and not really anybody else, I, I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> okay, Mackenzie, Cooler Master Dyn-X Cockpit. Yeah, Carl Gosling reviews the Cooler Master uh, Dyn-X Cockpit. Uh, I haven't actually watched this video, but this cockpit actually looks pretty cool. Um, it is 2,000 euros, though. It's the downside. <laughs> was his only it's downside actually very expensive it's a tubular cockpit and it's really nice i mean it, there's no flex he had a lot of good things to say about it but the fact that it costs so much money i mean it's just like that's a no buy this is very similar to the one tom is getting uh from track racer the uh, alpine racing one what I thought was neat, it's on, there's like a hinge on uh, below the seat that you can turn into F1 kind of style, then back to GT. Yeah, yeah but he, he, he talked about that. And there's, I think it's like four bolts you got to take out. That's very time consuming. It's not an easy conversion. Hey, you know, if I think I said before, I just, the amount of money for a tubular chassis, which you really can't upgrade, you can't do anything to, Versus an eighty twenty, um, you won't spend as much. You're not going to spend two thousand dollars. I mean, I didn't spend that, and that's with you know triple mount, four four monitor mounts, and everything else. You know that I bought from Track Racer. I didn't spend that much on that. It's just that's a lot of money for something that I just don't see where you can. There's no expansion. There's no options to do a lot of that. Eighty twenty is just so compatible. Um, I wish I would have built my own plan and you know made my own i just didn't know how 8020 worked until it was in front of me you know and it's just there's so much stuff out there and it's it's really not that expensive no and the nice thing with it is you know i bought a track racer but you can pick up add-on stuff you know really from anybody so it's not like you have to go to track racer every time if it's advanced sim racing or if it's somebody else has an option you know has something there uh it's just so so easy to, to do stuff to 8020 then I don't know um, why it's my area, but like I've said, 8020 is just down the road from me. Then we got another facility here, and it's called Parker, and I'm learning about. And it's just pretty much kind of a off-brand of 8020, and that runs even cheaper. Yeah, I mixed uh, parts on my setup. I, you know, I have a SimLab P1X, but I, I, I didn't like uh, the the PC shell 
shelves I saw that were available, and I ended up getting the PC shelf from Advanced Sim Racing. And then a lot of the peripherals, uh, like the cup holder and different things, I got from other people, other companies. And like you said, it's easy just to mix and match. All right, I'll take uh, Fanatex Killshot, Will Ford at Boosted Media. He reviews, finally, the Club Sport DD and DD Plus. Uh, 12 newton meters and 15 newton meters. But those aren't peak numbers. Those are, um, bait. I don't know, I forget the term, baseline number or ho holding peak or holding a newton meter, I guess it's called. So they're actually more powerful than uh, some of the other ones that... Uh, that uh, advertised uh, Newton meter. And so comparing to like the podium DD one and DD two, he's actually like, you should buy these before you buy those. I mean, it really says a lot about how much the uh, DD wheel DD base has evolved over the years. Uh, the podium series is pretty old. Um, it's got this new software. I think he called it, true for something that lot that uh fanatex uh, calling it but he's very impressed with how the the how it feels um as far as the difference between them 12 and the 15 not much he said look if if i did a blind test you know driving these i might guess which one's which six out of ten times mike any idea what the price points were on these the DD no, plus is a thousand, and the DD is seven hundred. Wow, that's, that's somewhat comparable to, you know, if you're in that twelve to fifteen range. I'm thinking like from Sim Magic, you know, the Mini is in that, I guess, six hundred dollar range, and then the the uh, the Alpha that I've got is right around a thousand, so that's not bad. It makes you oh, think they're going to redo the Podium series soon, though. They have to. I think the main thing that'll sell the DD Plus for them is that it's compatible over the PlayStation 5. Good point. A lot of these bases don't have that kind of PlayStation console stuff. And that really, I mean, it's, it's I don't mean to talk bad about Fanatec, but that is one area where they've done a good job of having cross-platform, uh, cross you know, um, in, their, in their stuff. jump to results let's talk the winter series i totally didn't even watch or see it but you guys had a heck of a race brad you start out p8 yeah so we uh we, we had a good race uh, qualified up front um i think greg was was second i think i was fifth i think um first time i've been at the, the new atlanta since getting back on the service um kind of a, a banding track when it comes to drafting um but greg myself and justin we got hooked up early um you know after the first caution and really just the three of us ran i guess to what around lap 100 or so 134 um had to do green flag stops bit, bit ner uh, nervous doing that um and then unfortunately we lost justin coming out um i would gotten the lead Greg had been leading the whole time, so he had to take probably about half a second more fuel than I did. Um, we got back out, and then, you know, Greg and I just kind of hooked up and um, really had, I mean, just completely team to foes. He had the control of the entire race. Um, it was good. Um, and then we had about two laps to go, and 
uh, the guy that was in third had two lap cars with him. It's just Greg and I, and um, they got a run. Greg tried to side draft a little bit to slow him down. Um, they made contact, lost. Uh, I lost connection with with Greg. Ended up getting a run. He got by me coming to the white flag, and Greg got back to me, uh, took a shot coming off a two, got underneath him, and he just threw up a Hail Mary block. I knew it was coming. There was nowhere around it. I just I knew it was going to get blocked. Uh, I think I told you guys in the, you know, in, in the team chat, you know, my only hope was I knew I was going to get wrecked and that either Greg or Justin was going to get through. Needless to say, that didn't happen. He ended up wrecking out as well. Um, so the guy who ended up winning was nowhere in the front all race. Um, but again, we were a lot of broadcast time. I think all three of us got dragged up into and talked to during the broadcast. So really a good night for, for Team Tifosi uh, and a lot of uh, airtime for the, uh, the iRacers Lounge podcast cars. All right. Very good. Justin, P5. Yeah, kind of. Uh, kind of Brad said it all. It was a complete domination. You know, I just rode around P3 there for the first half, you know, just chilling behind them. And I, I think we're starting to get something figured out because I think I hooked up with Brad and Greg in Daytona and we started getting fast there. Um, I think that that tracks all about just stability. I think if you push too hard, that's when we're losing them. Because if you watch the broadcast, when we would get tight and stable, we would run out a three-car pack. We'd be leading, but then once we get a little unstable, we'd check up. But um, but yeah, then I messed up on uh, green flag pit stops. So I downshifted too quick and wheel hopped, and that was kind of all she wrote. But then. I grabbed a pack and we made a charge there and we were catching y'all on the last lap and uh, that wreck happened and I picked a lane and it was clear and it was the outside and I went from, I was entering turn three P11 and I came out of P5 with a clean car. All right. And you're getting lots of practice on these green flag stops and learning what not to do, right? Yeah, and if you, I'm waiting for the results because I'm kind of curious, but I think a lot of big names that were in the Daytona race that uh, had a good finish, I think they got knocked out. And we've been consistent, Team Tifosi. I mean, nothing less than a P12 finish in these two races for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I was nervous going in again, never running in New Atlanta. Um, you know, and I just think it just shows when you get in a league and you, you can trust guys and you got good guys running. Um, you know, we had some spots where, you know, we had like one night, one time we had two lap cars that decided one to go low and one to go high. I was like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. And if it had been a, if we'd been in a, in a lobby race or an NIS race or something, it would have been an absolute disaster. But, you know, the whole field managed to, to get through without any issues. So, um, you know, it's it's fun to, to race with guys that you can even though we're new to racing with them that you can you can somewhat trust. Yeah, I probably sounded like a goofball on the stream because I've never been in a broadcast or anything and I'm just racing, trying to figure out my pit stop, you know, I'm focused and all of a sudden the background changes. I hear the broadcast, I'm like, What's going on? Some random person's talking to me. I'm like, uh <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, you get interviewed during the the green flags. It's crazy. Uh, Brad, my question is, this first time you've raced the new Atlanta, do you call this the now the third restrictor plate track? 
I would call it the third drafty track, since we don't use restrictor plates anymore. Um, you know, it's, I'm just, I'm not a fan of drafting tracks. That's probably my least favorite type of racing. Uh, I like the old Atlanta, the old, old Atlanta. I was telling the guys here last night, you know, to the, when it was an actual oval versus a quad oval. Um, but it was fun. I mean, it, it was, it was fun. Um, yeah, no, it, was, it was good. It was good. I was happy. I, I did not have a good feeling that went into it, and I was literally coming to the white flag, and I was like, "My gosh, we can! One of us could actually win this race." Well, yeah. All right. Well, sure. Sounds like a lot of fun was had. Uh, sorry, I missed it, uh, but I'll be back on track soon enough. Let's jump to final thoughts. Mackenzie Stevens, what do you got? Yeah, not much. I didn't get to race at all this week. I was really hoping to run the. The league race last night just didn't get to. Um, what's our next race there at Dover? Yep. Yeah, I never really run great at Dover, so hopefully I can have a decent finish there. I'm looking forward to that. All right, Justin Pearson, final thoughts. Yeah, no, I'm just having fun in this league. Uh, this is the first kind of this is the first league I've been in. And, you know, I'm having a blast. I'm kind of interested in how these boys race on Dover. It's going to be a little tighter. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. And, yeah, I'm about to try this 87 car, the, the Grand Prix, out here in, um, I think it's Phoenix tonight. So I love that. I'm starting to love that car. It's starting to wear me out on that semi-cube. My, my yeah, biceps are a little sore after it. Now you you didn't have a result, but you did run last week at uh, the in the eighty seven car. How did that go, Justin? It wishy washy. I was still getting used to it, and I didn't really make any mistakes. I just within the first twenty laps, I would I did four races within 20 laps three out of the four races somebody just cleaned me out then i would always just play catch up the whole time but it's it's um you got to worry about your tires there it's very different strategy and the momentum is streaky it hits you real quick and then you lose it where the cup car is you know it slowly builds up and then you can keep it going where yeah this is just real quick and you better take it and clear them or you're going backwards all right brad wren final thoughts uh, just just having a good time again just glad to be back in the service um having a good time racing with some teammates um you know no league race next week on this over uh we'll be out of town for an entire week so i'm gonna try to get some some racing in this week because um the week after thanksgiving i'll have the unfortunate uh problem of being in hawaii for a week so Ooh. well sounds like fun you're not gonna uh, take your rig with you i take it so well, maybe if I had to fold up one, I could put in the uh, put in the suitcase and take it. I went there last month. I had a blast. Yeah, going for work. So, but staying an extra three days once work is done. So, wife and I are excited. Um, I go to Pearl Harbor and all that. I've never been out there. Probably will never have a chance to go back. So, take full advantage and do as much as we can. All right. Well, enjoy. Uh, my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's tough not racing right now. Um, I got my rig in two pieces. I took off the uprights and didn't really have to take off, uh, apart anything attached to the uprights. Uh, the wheelbase and 
is still there and the monitor mount and the speakers and so forth all in one piece so i think i, I got it basically into two pieces and i'm gonna transport it that way so uh cleaned it all up wiped it all down uh fixed the uh problem i had with the sagging upright on one side uh the the bolts had just come loose uh you know because i suck at putting stuff together i guess and but i got that uh resolved so yeah as soon as i get moved i'm gonna put it together and we'll be back on the track and we'll see you then take care thank you for listening to the odd racers lounge podcast Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.